this digital marketer. Hello and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and in this week's episode, we're going to hear directly from Richard Lindner, the co-founder and president of Digital Marketer and the man who taught us all how to sell with email. We're going to go into the vault today because I want to share some clips from one of his most popular workshops called Automate Your Business Growth with Email Follow-Up. If you're a longtime DM family member, you've probably heard of the machine and you'll know how impactful these strategies are. So before we dive in though, I just want to address kind of the why behind this episode. Because right now I know there's so much fear around paid traffic, privacy laws going into effect, big platforms owning your media and your audience data, Uh, restricting you from seeing some of it, shutting you down entirely. And the truth is these platforms owe us marketers nothing. Some of you may see this as totally unfair. Some of you may think this is an exciting challenge and others might just be kind of neutral about it. But this is why I wanted to talk about email today because your list is the one thing you can own. These are your data points, your segments, your audience, your buyer's list, and that is what matters. You can do so much with an email list, even a small one. So today, everything I'm sharing with you is about how to sell to your list using a conversion series. In this first clip, Richard is going to first explain what a conversion series is, what the purpose of it is, and how to know if you're doing it right. So clip one, here it is. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dig in. A lot of the time in Digital Marketer, the things that we do aren't because we're incredibly intentional, they're out of necessity, or we have a strategy that we can't fulfill on because of technology or because of some other barrier, so we have to do something else And we do something else and everyone gives us the benefit of the doubt and the credit that that we had this brilliant epiphany from Go and we're so put together. Uh, But it's always fun, at least for me, to look back at how we have an asset or a process now that was created out of, oops, Ryan and Perry forgot to write and send the emails one day, probably about uh, eight years ago. So that's why we're we're looking at these templates now and that's why we were able to templatize them and, and use them for all of our businesses. And, and what I hope to be able to do is walk you guys through some of the core templates in the conversion series uh, that you can use to deploy in your business and truly build an automated follow-up campaign for your business. So back to the agenda, um, we're gonna move on to crafting your conversion series. So a couple of wrap-up points here. Remember the conversion series for new subscribers is going to, to be triggered simultaneously uh, with the indoctrination series. So brand new people, uh, when they've opted in, they're gonna get their, your indoctrination series, but they're also gonna go into a conversion campaign, right? Because going back to the question that Ryan asked in the very beginning of this workshop, or at least the question that he posed in the very beginning of this workshop, you have a subscriber, now what? Right? What are you gonna do with the subscriber once you have them? Going back to the five phases of the follow-up machine, we're living here in the conversion phase. And green is good, red is bad, and yellow is hoping that we're back on track. So we're right here, uh, new subscriber or old subscriber. New is gonna get the indoctrination campaign and the conversion campaign. Old is not gonna get this, but they are gonna go into a conversion campaign because 
looking at this and, and thinking of this uh, as it pertains to you know, the customer value journey, once someone's subscribed, the next most important thing for us to do uh, is to get them convert to convert, right? Something magical happens when you, when you take someone from being just a, a, a subscriber or just a, a prospect to a customer, right? A paying customer when, when money or time exchanges hands, when they give you money or if they'll give you their time, they, they change in the way that they look at you. They listen to you differently. And when you have a successful transaction, they're willing to ascend. So going back and thinking in here, after conversion, we're focused on ascension. That first conversion isn't just necessary because we need to move them along from a, a, a low dollar or, or a, a entry point offer to a higher price. It allows them to trust us with a successful transaction. So making sure that our email campaigns and email series are, are moving people efficiently through those processes is kind of what we're gonna be talking about here. So again, to answer the question that Ryan posed in the very beginning of this workshop, the, the answer is to move them quickly through the convert phase as seamlessly as possible by deploying a conversion series. So let's talk just a little bit about uh, conversion series. So a conversion series is an interest-based triggered campaign sent following a specific action or request. So remember Ryan talked about two types of email sends. There's triggered and broadcast. Definitely the conversion campaign, at least in an automated sense, because we're building an automated follow-up campaign, is, is triggered. So when someone's requested a specific resource, whether it's a lead magnet or whether they've uh, subscribed for a web or opted in for a webinar, that's an interest-based triggered campaign that's sent immediately. All right? The job of the conversion series is to turn subscribers into converts, right? That's why it's called the conversion series. Emails in a conversion series should reference the previous positive action. This is big, right? Think about if you just met someone and that person, I know Ryan talked about a lot about the from, like the, your from information, right? The first email you send, you should not uh, expect them to recognize you. Even if you did an amazing job at either personal branding or branding your company, they are not gonna see that email and remember who the heck you are. You haven't earned that yet. You haven't become important to them, especially if they're new subscribers. So if you're not tying back to that positive, the, that previous positive action that they took, they have no idea why you're emailing them and what the heck you're talking about, and we are all really, really busy. I bet you I opted in for five things yesterday that I, have, I don't even remember doing, right? And I bet you that three of them tomorrow will email me and I'll unsubscribe from them because I won't know what the heck they're talking about. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt that I opt into a lot of things. I don't believe they're spamming me, but I do believe they're doing a really terrible job at reminding me why in the world they have the right to email me and why I should care. The way that you overcome that is reference the previous positive action and then prescribe the next logical step. Right? If we know, thinking back to the previous slide, if it's interest-based, we know what they're interested in at least right now. That may not be the only thing they're interested in, but it is the thing that they were interested enough in to give you their contact information. So that's what they're interested in, and you've said something on a page that talked them into giving you their contact information, so you now know what they're interested in now. Remind them of the last thing that they did, your last interaction, and then tell them what they need to do next. So successful conversion emails will overcome 
or inoculate against known objections and common misconceptions. So we're gonna talk a lot about the reasons uh, that people convert and the levers that you have or, or the things that you need to overcome to get someone to convert. One of the biggest ones that most people miss is known objections, right? Especially misconceptions. So how many of you guys seen 8 Mile, right? Eminem, right? He comes out in the end and just goes straight at it, says every bad thing that he knows that the guy's gonna say about him uh, right up front so that he has taken all that ammo. You need to, and I know Russ Henneberry somewhere is smiling because he's a big 8 Mile guy, real big uh, B-Rabbit fan. But, but this is how you need to think about your, your emails, right? You need to come out and get it out. Most people try to not talk about the things in the conversation that, that your customer or your potential customer is thinking that, that are keeping them from buying. I'm suggesting that if you're going to craft a conversion campaign, you do the opposite. Somewhere in your campaign, somewhere in this series, you're going to punch them in the nose with that and overcome or inoculate against. There's a big difference in overcoming an objection where you're, you're proving a point that, that that is incorrect or here's you're giving them a bridge to the other side or why what they think is wrong. Inoculating against keeps you from ever having to get in a conversation about it. Right, You tie it to something that's nonsensical, definitive proof, and now you can move forward. We're going to talk a lot about that, and we're going, to, we're going to show some examples in the templates of how you can do that to allow this new subscriber to move forward into the convert phase. A typical conversion series contains three to five emails. Now, that's your typical series. We're going to talk uh, in the next session a lot about how you extend those series, how you can stack and expand those series to include more, and why you would need to. So I have a question for you. The first question is, what is the ideal next step your new subscriber should take to receive the most value, right? And experience their desired after. So before we can talk about what a conversion should be, we have to answer this question because if you're gonna prescribe the next logical step, you have to know what it is. When you say it out loud, you'll start to move to the next question. And this is where you may go, huh, Maybe I'm asking a little too much from my new relationship. So question number two is, do you have any reason to believe that they are ready to take that next logical step, right? So if you're selling a self-liquidating offer or an entry point offer or a tripwire offer and someone opts in for a lead magnet and you take them over to a page and you're gonna sell them something for seven or $10, do you have any reason to believe that they're ready to take that next step? Yeah, sure. Why? Well, because it's $7, right? It's $7. It's a, it's, there's no big deal, it's, it's an impulse buy. And if you've done a good job at, at, at overcoming the objections and prescribing why this is the next logical step, then you can confidently say, yes, I have any reason to believe, no, I'm not asking too much. But what if your next logical step after they've opted in for something or raised their hand is to give you $2,000 or to become a retainer client? Is it would you send them over to a video sales letter or a long-form sales letter and, and believe that that'll just take care of it? Probably not, right? So here you would say, I don't have any reason to believe that they're ready to do that after opting in for a lead magnet or after subscribing for a webinar. Now, after attending the webinar, maybe, because they've just had a, uh, a payment of time right? You've been able to present your case. You've been able to walk them through a presentation. But when we think about a conversion, we first have to ask, what is, does what we want them to do line up with what a reasonable person would be ready to do? 
And if no, then we may need to move around what we're asking, or at least what we're considering a conversion on this campaign. Right? We may not want to send them over and say a conversion here is they're gonna give me money immediately. We may say a conversion here is they're gonna consume a webinar. A conversion here is they're gonna reach out to schedule a demo. A conversion here is they're gonna reach out to schedule uh, a conversation or a consultation. So conversions can happen in, in, in several different ways, but again, it does hurt to ask. I hate hearing this. Never hurts to ask. It always hurts to ask if it's stupid. It always does. Like that's something that teachers say when they wanna make kids feel good. Never hurts to ask. It does. You're being judged. You're being judged by people that, that you're asking to buy money from because you're, you're doing it in a way, if you ask a brand new person on the street, say, hey, can I have $2,000? I told you directions over here and I sell these GPS devices. They're two grand. Do you think that that person is gonna buy? Likely not. Do you think they're going to believe that you're credible? Likely not. I've got a funny example and I love bringing stories in. So um, the other night, in fact, just Friday night, my wife and I are out with some friends, we're having a date night. I've got a ring on my phone, so the doorbell thing. We have, everyone's kids are at my house. We have a sitter. It's 10.30 at night and my phone goes off. And it's the ring notice. And I look at it, I'm like, what the hell's going on? It's 10.30 at night. I've got, you know, six young girls at my house and a babysitter. And it said, someone rang your doorbell. So I, and I've got a video, so I look at it. Before I can play it, it happens again. So there's some neighborhood kind of teenage kids that are going around ringing the doorbell and running, they think it's funny. Uh, luckily I have a little uh, intercom where I can kind of talk back. So I scared the crap out of them and that was a little funny. <clears throat> but we have a neighborhood Facebook page. I posted it on there and said, hey, if this is your kid, be careful. We do live in Texas and they did it twice in a row. So if someone, if some other homeowner didn't think that this was someone that was just having fun and was scared, I don't want anyone's kid getting shot or hurt because they're just being an idiot. So talk to your kids and I posted this picture. And a lot of people are having a, a relevant conversation except one guy. One guy who I, I, I don't know, and this is a true story, replies to this thread of concerned parents of police saying, you know, we'll, incle we'll increase the patrol in this area. And he says, I can sell you something that will disable your doorbell from 10 p.m. until 6 a.m., and you won't have to worry about that anymore. It does hurt to ask. If I see him at the neighborhood Christmas party, I'm going to make fun of him and tell everyone else that he's an idiot, because he is. That's the worst possible time. It's like showing up to a funeral and selling life insurance. There's just you don't do. He, that was, it did hurt to ask. He made himself look like an idiot, and no one on that thread said, you know, I think I'm gonna go buy that thing from that guy because it hurt to ask. Had he given any kind of, of, of value and said, hey, what system are you using? Like, oh, hey, man, that's great. Hey, there's some kind of configurations you can do to that that'll alert you before they ring the doorbell. And Again, anything to add value and come over and, and even maybe done him for me because he lives in my neighborhood. And then he could say, you know, I can sell you something. And I probably wouldn't use the word sell. He did in print. You know, I actually have a product I have a solution that would do this. I can install it and take care of it for you. Obviously, I can't do it for free. Um, I can come over and do little stuff like this for free, but I can't do that for free. But I can give you a discount because we're neighbors. Would you want to do that? Do you think that my response would have been anything like the other one? No. We don't do that in person. 
He wouldn't have said that to me if we were at a party standing there and I was telling this story, but he did. He felt it was okay because it was on Facebook. We do that exact same thing. We, it's all funny. We're all thinking what an idiot this guy was sitting in this room. But I bet you if you go back through your emails that you've sent to your list, I know I have, you've done that and you haven't felt bad because you're not looking at that other person. You're not having that conversation face-to-face. And I think the whole point of this is email is H-to-H, selling is H-to-H, marketing is H-to-H, make it conversational. (laughs) Say, I'm going to think about what I'm asking someone to do and about where they're at in our relationship, and then I'm going to say, is it an appropriate ask? And if you do that, your conversions will happen much easier because people want to give you money. If they've opted in for something that you have, they want the desired end result that you're offering. Just you're screwing up sometimes the sequencing. We want to hurry up to that point of like, yay, I've got a new lead. Give me some money. So let's talk a little bit about what types of conversions we can use to avoid uh, becoming like that idiot on my Facebook thread. Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader, and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com. So the next clip I have goes into some more specific Q&A that we had during the workshop. But honestly, I think it speaks to any of the confusion you might have about content segmentation, uh, the email templates themselves. So first, I do just want to address all of the templates, all of the email templates that he's mentioning in this next clip are available in the workshop. So if you're already a lab member, I hope you are. They're in the workshop. If you're not, I still love you. (laughs) He gives a brief explanation of what each email is intended for as he answers the questions. So you can at least understand like what vocabulary he's using. All right, next clip. Here we go. As part of the indoctrination campaign, what does he think about giving people content options to segment themselves? For example, are you more interested in traffic leads, et cetera? That's a great question. Engagement-based segmentation, right? So when someone opts in, uh, for whatever you're offering, it should be very, very specific, right? It's going to be a specific uh, topic, a specific end result, a specific path that they're on. Now, I don't believe that you should uh, use clicks in your indoctrination series to take them on another path, right? It's it. You can start stutter stepping people. You can you can give them shiny object syndrome because for me. I'm going to be interested in whatever you're talking about if I've now if I've uh, determined that you're an expert. If you're an expert, if you're my expert, if you can help me, if you're the authority on something in my life and you're excited about something and I truly believe you're an authority, I'm going to be excited about it. Right? That's the beauty of email. So be careful what you ascribe intent to because I can be interested or curious about several things, but if I've already started down a specific path, you you may not want to move 
uh, people off. Here's, uh, here's what we have done. We have introduced our product line and really tied that product line to specific avatars and allowed them to reply or to do something to indicate that they're interested in that product line that triggered another campaign. But it is in addition to never in lieu of, right? And I can, tell, I can say this standing up here because we way overcomplicated our follow-up. Uh, we tried to, if they're this, send them to, to this tripwire. If they're this, send them to this uh, cert. If they're this, send them over here to talk to a rep. And when we really were able to go back to scale, we simplified everything. Everyone kind of came in on one path. Uh, so you can really quickly overcomplicate automation. And, and if someone's super excited about what you're talking about, they'll click on anything you have. Uh, and now it, you have to determine, is the first click the most important or the last click? Did you add them and remove them from a series every time they click something? Uh, and, and that's just difficult to get right even 10% of the time. Okay, moving on. Does the Don't Stand Me Up campaign work for non-webinars? That is an amazing question, and yes. The goal here is once someone's committed to do something, uh, it usually works better if it's an appointment, uh, but any appointment or any specific time, it can work uh, for just about everything. Doctor's office, it can work for, for any kind of con uh, consult at a professional services, whether you're an agency. Uh, I don't know how I would tie it back to a free plus shipping offer. Um, unless you, they have a bonus webinar or a bonus, maybe a, like a, a, a mini class launch or something that's, uh, that, that happens at a specific time that they got when they purchased that, definitely. Uh, it, it's used in, in reference to webinars, but it's incredibly versatile. Anytime someone commits to a specific time and date, uh, you can use that campaign and it will increase show up rates. Uh, third, does the time between delivery email and the first gain logic fear email depend on how long it takes them to consume the product? Uh, great question. No. Um, in most cases, um, they don't need you, you shouldn't be providing free gated content that requires consumption if you're moving into the purchase, right? If 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 the conversion that you've chosen is a purchase conversion, consumption should not be required for ascension, right? They shouldn't need to consume that to move on and buy your product. So you don't need to do that. In fact, in most cases, what people will do is, is get this. You now start talking about the bigger thing and they go, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. I just thought this was the path there. So if you hold that back, you're actually gonna suppress sales. They will ascend quickly and, and rapidly through your product line if really what they want is something bigger and something bigger and something bigger and you have a path there. Uh, they could go from a lead magnet to a, to a free tripwire to you know a, a, a advanced training to a done for you in a matter of a day or two if they're truly wanting, if the pain point's big enough. So make sure that you don't uh, keep that from happening by, by spacing out that campaign too long. Okay, any other questions? Uh, from the online group? Yeah, I have um, one more from Crystal. So she does e-com. Okay. Um, so she went through PSS, mm -hmm. and for the Velvet Rope offer, Ooh, like she was using one. the Going, Going, Gone email series. Yes, ma'am. Would you think that is better or the Gain Fear Logic? Uh, the Going, Going, Gone's great. Uh, going, Going, Gone's 100% uh, urgency. So it's 100% scarcity. It's... Hey, it's about to be. It's about to be gone. Hey, it's about to be gone. Hey, it's about to be gone. Hey, it's gone. Right. So, if you're selling a discount on a specific thing, especially a physical uh, thing in traditional e-com, I love that. Really, really love that. I would use that 
if it's working. If it's not working, you can look at the gain logic fear. The other thing you could do, and, and it's such an amazing question, thank you, Crystal, because it transitions us beautifully to where we're going. What you could do is both. You could say, I'm gonna start with the gain logic fear, and I'm gonna put those three in, and I'm going to extend the fear by stacking on going, going, gone. So how do you take a campaign? What if you need more than three to five emails? Will you either extend by saying it's a gain logic fear, I'm gonna put an additional gain and two additional fear-based emails in here and take a three-part campaign and extend it to a six-part campaign, or you take a completely different campaign and you stack it on. Another advanced uh, kind of uh, uh, strategy we're gonna talk about is using kind of almost a connector campaign or something to cleanse the palate a little bit, so something to transition from one series to another. Uh, so we're gonna dive into that kind of right now. So thank you for the perfectly timed question and the uh, setup there, Crystal. Okay, in this last little section, Richard answers the all-important question. How long should my conversion series even be? How many emails should I be sending? How many days should it last? You'll, you'll see that it's really dependent on your price point and what he calls points of belief. So I'm gonna let him explain that, and here it is. To the final session, bolt-ons and series stacking. So question, what if you need more than three to five emails to convert your subscriber? Again, I told you it was just a perfect transition question from Crystal. Uh, coming back over here, we are still in this conversion phase, but what we don't want to do is have them fall out over, or, or start to go through and not make and, and go back in the segmentation. So if they haven't converted and we need to extend that, what do we do? One kind of concept that you really need to understand is there's a couple of things that will immediately determine the need to extend. Price is the big one. Price determines length. Price, uh, if you're selling a, 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 a much bigger item, then you're likely not doing it by using the buy, right? The, the uh, purchase conversion. You're probably needing them to consume or to reach out or to sign up for a webinar or to consume multiple videos in a, in a launch or something like that. You need to move them down this process of belief. So what do you do? Then you need to have more emails. So in a conversion series, the price of your product or service determines the length of your campaign. So let's talk about points of belief because it's not just price. It's points of belief when you're looking at it. What are the points of belief that I need to hit in a campaign? And then can I do that in three to five emails, right? Can I do that in three to five emails? So number one, and we've, we talked a little bit about this, to clarify the end result, right? We need to really make sure that we say, after you've made this conversion, here is the end result. Here is your after. Here is what you are going to, here's what your average day is going to look like. Two, we need to, and this is the big one, right? If we've said, here's the end result, where are they now and do they agree? So this is where they wanna be, this is where you want them to be, this is where your product or service will get them. Here's where they are. Get them to agree that that's where they are and why they're there. Remind them of the pain of staying there. So remember, we're, we're doing a lot of of making them feel things. Pain is something that, that you can make them feel as long as you give them a solution to that pain. It's just not a nice thing to do to make someone feel bad and then say, well, see you later. Give them a way to end the pain, and that sounded really bad. Let's not say it like that. 
unless you're in, never mind. Don't do that. Give them a solution to the pain. I think it's a, now it sounds like I'm selling drugs. Um, So we'll just go with the first one. Remind them of the pain of staying where they're at, right? Uh, and, And a lot of that is just talking about frustrations, right? Talking about the frustration you're having today, talking about you know, if it's a team, let's go back to the, the modern marketing growth plan that we were just talking about as an example. Like, you know, you know, you can choose to do nothing. You can choose to, to just accept the fact that your business is only going to grow uh, a, a little bit because every day you're going to be the one responsible for driving the content. You're going to be the one responsible for creating all the marketing. You're going to be the one responsible uh, for training new people. You're going to be responsible and the business will only grow and scale to the amount of time that you have left because you're the one that's going to be doing everything. And if that's your business, if that's the business that you want, then I, I, I think you're exactly on it. But if you want something different, if you want your business to be bigger than you, if you want to be able to come in and work on pet projects, if you truly want to take your message to the world, then what you need is you need a team who can do that on your behalf, a team of people all speaking the same language. See, we're, we're kind of wallowing here for a minute and just kind of poking at things that they don't want or they wouldn't have asked for the thing you had in the first place. Now we're gonna give them back, after we've reminded them of that, we're gonna give them a path back uh, to the solution. So identify and overcome common misconceptions, right? Remember, we're gonna have to do that uh, and then show them someone else who's already done it, right? We need to make them believe, we need to give them proof, uh, we need to, to kind of push those pain buttons. Here are the points of belief that we're gonna to have to overcome, and then price is on there. Honestly, there's one more that should be on here, and it's price justification, right? ROI, you have to show an ROI. You have to show, like, we need to, we need to prove that if you spend this, what the benefit, the after, is worth more than the acquisition. So those are the things you need to do, and when you look at it and you say, can I do all of these things in three emails? If it's $7 that you're asking for, if it's a, an entry point offer or tripwire offer, likely you can do all of those in one email. If you're looking for a new agency retainer client, if you're trying to get someone in your SaaS product, likely no. If you're trying to sell a franchise, no, right? You're gonna have to extend that campaign. So, do you need to, uh, another question, do you need to redirect attention to a new series or just expand the series that they're already in? Kind of alluded uh, to this fact when I answered Crystal's question. Sometimes you just need to look at a campaign or a series and say, the gain logic fear, I'm gonna make it gain, gain, logic, fear, fear, fear. And that will extend it enough to, to move to conversion. Sometimes you say, you know what, I, no. I don't need to, I'm gonna have to send gain logic fear, but I need another full campaign, right? That's where series stacking comes in. So moving a subscriber immediately into a new series once they've completed the original series without converting, right? Without converting, I say a new series, from a technical automation standpoint, it doesn't have to move them into a new series, right? It can be one series that they're removed from if they buy, so I know some of you likely are thinking logically and, and, and kind of in a, how am I gonna make this work standpoint? I, I totally understand. You don't have to actually create a new technical series. It's not a new list or a new campaign that you're moving them into. You can build it in one. The second series, and this is important, second series can be used to expand or extend the campaign for the original offer or redirect them to a new relevant offer. Now, sometimes you bring people in 
and you say, I want them to purchase. That's the convert stage that I'm looking for. It's a seven, it's a $10 thing, it's a tripwire, it's a, it's a self-liquidating offer, it's an entry point offer, whatever you want to call it, and they don't respond. Now, in a case where maybe you're an agency, you offer done-for-you solutions, you may say, you know what? I don't want to expand or extend because, gosh, seven dollars. It was ten dollars. Like I really feel like they, if they, if they wanted this, they'd have paid that. It's a, it's a nominal fee. But I also offer that as a service. So maybe I'm just going to redirect. I can still talk about the same desired end result, but I can say, I can introduce them to the bigger offer. I can introduce them to, would you like me to just do this for you? Now it's a much bigger offer, that sale's not gonna happen online, but I can redirect that attention after this and just kind of throw the Hail Mary on on your likely ultimate uh, goal anyway. I know there's so much more we can go into here. I I hate just cutting it off like this, but I hope that introduction to a conversion series offers you a lot of clarity to start with and maybe even some inspiration Just get out there and try something. Go sell some stuff. As always, it means so much to have a little bit of your day each week. I hope it was a productive bit of time for you. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.